It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Welcome to Tuesday. Welcome to September. Scott in here with you as we get things sorted out. What we're going to talk about here on midday. We've got Susan Littlefield and Jason Jorgensen, Dave Schroeder all in here with us. And uh, Susan, we'll start with you. How are things going on your end today? It is a beautiful day at Hester Harvest State. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. We those are things that haven't often, you know, necessarily been said together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is, of course. It's a week away, You're right? But we're already out here. We're out here working, doing some painting, and and making our you know, building beautiful. Try saying that three times fast. Yeah, good lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's good. You did scare me for a second. I had to look at the calendar, but uh, thank you for <laughs> bringing me back. What do you got? What do you got for us today, Susan? Well, coming up here at one seventeen, we're going to hear from Jay Rempe. They held a news conference this morning talking about the economic impact of tariffs. We're going to bring it down to a local level at 12.19. Then coming up at 12.45, I'll talk with Greg Eyeball, Undersecretary Eyeball, we now have to call him, as he gives us an update to the Tyson investigation that is going on after the Kansas fire. Then I'll come back in at one seventeen and talk more of a statewide effect with Jay Rempe on trade effects on Nebraska. So that's the rundown on the midday on this Tuesday from the Farm Team. All right. Thank you very much. Some heavy hitters for us today. appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Susan. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen and uh, kind of one of those uh, weird first weeks for the Huskers, but it, a win is a win, I guess. It is. And as someone so eloquently uh, noted, they won't go 0-6. It's true. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> you know, last year they didn't win a game until the seventh one of the season. So you have to look at that. Now they look forward to the big matchup on Saturday afternoon at Colorado. Folks are all jazzed about Boy, this one. They are fired up. They are fired up. So uh, of course, Colorado has tried to keep Husker fans out of there. Good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> I think there will be plenty of red in the stadium on Saturday. Should be a good game. They looked good against uh, Colorado State. Especially pulled away under new uh, head coach Mel Tucker. Coming up in sports, we'll hear from Fox Sports analyst Joel Klatt. Of course, he knows all about this rivalry, sure. having played in it as Buffalo himself. Uh, we'll get his thoughts, uh, initial thoughts about what he thinks on the matchup on Saturday afternoon. Also coming up in uh, sports, talk a little Husker volleyball. They're on the road to San Diego, believe mm. it or not, this weekend. That's a homecoming of sorts for Coach John Cook, who's from that area. Mm. Uh, he actually got his degree out at San Diego and was an assistant coach out in those parts many, many moons ago. I'll, I'll give you a quarter if you can name the mascot for the University of San Diego. I saw it, but I didn't. It starts with a T. Yep, the Toreros, the Fighting Toreros of the University of San Diego. Look at you dropping the knowledge today. Sports <laughs> <laughs> knowledge. Right, you know, just, what's a, just a barely. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. We turn it over. That's the voice of Dave Schroeder. And Dave... Uh, Stocks not looking very good right now. No, they are slipping. The Dow is down 1.3% right now. They've lost uh, 356 points so far on the day today. Uh, Traders are being pessimistic again about the prospects of the U.S. and China resolving the trade dispute. And uh, chip makers fell more than the rest of the market in early trading. We also have uh, an update on the latest business conditions index as well coming up. Now you're talking about potato chip makers, or you're probably not. Yeah, right, no, so not no. Kind Silicon, of yeah. Silicon. Okay, yes. very good. All right, thank you. Well, appreciate it, guys. All of that's coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to take a look at weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And we got Paul Perkins in studio with us. Have you ever seen a hurricane move as slowly as Dorian did? Boy, yeah, it was nearly stationary, and then wow. like one mile per hour. That was quite wow. the uh, uh, quite the event. Uh, no steering motion or snor- I guess steering force for it to be yeah. moving. So that's that was really three. something. The f- poor folks in the Bahamas, they have. They, yeah, I can't imagine hardly anything surviving that. Uh, and there's nowhere to go. It's yeah. not like you go to Highland. Yeah, uh, you can't go to the relatives, uh, several states to the north or anything like that <laughs> for crazy. somebody in Florida. But it looks like uh, most of the U.S. will avoid getting too much damage <laughs> yeah. from Hurricane Dorian as it moves along the southern Atlantic coast. But in our area, some cooler air moving in after some heat yesterday. Uh, a little less humid air is starting to move, make its way into northern areas of Nebraska. Still a bit of humidity across the southern two-thirds of Nebraska into northern Kansas, but all in all, the temperature is pretty good across the region. We do have temperatures right now mainly in the upper 70s to low 80s, but temperatures in the low and mid-70s as you head towards northwest and north-central Nebraska, still as low as 69 towards the Kimball area, but also the dew points much lower on into the northern areas of Nebraska where dew points are down into the 50s as opposed to some upper 60s and even some dew points in the low 70s over southern Nebraska and northern Kansas. A dry cold front cooling our temperatures off for today. Back to more seasonal levels with some breezy northerly winds. No rain in the immediate area, but we do have some light scattered rain in between Norfolk and Columbus to about north of uh, Tacoma right now. Otherwise, some showers and thunderstorms in northwest and north central areas of Iowa, south of Sioux City, on over to about Fort Dodge. But winds dropping off this evening and behind this cold front as high pressure does build in from the north. Clear skies and light winds tonight leading to temperatures that will drop off into the 50s pretty much region-wide for tomorrow through Thursday. A building ridge of high pressure across the plains resulting in dry weather and a warming trend. Temperatures expected to peak out at 5 to 10 degrees above normal for Thursday. Then that high pressure ridge starts to break down behind a cold front on Friday. Temperatures as much as 10 degrees cooler than usual over the weekend. With the flattening of that ridge, also some disturbances will move through. The thunderstorm chances return as early as Friday night and will continue on an off and on basis through at least Monday. But looks like the better chance of rain right now going to be on the Friday night time period. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas will be on the northern edge of a ridge of high pressure that's anchored over the southern plains. This will result in slightly above normal temperatures and slightly above normal rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through September 16th. After just shy of a foot of rain fell last month in Grand Island, some interesting numbers to consider. Last month's rainfall is greater than Grand Island usually receives in a typical summer. Oh, yeah, this wow. summer's rainfall in Grand Island, 10 times the amount of rain that fell during the summer of 2012 when there was extreme drought. And when you could say summer months here, we're considering June, July, August, because okay. we're now in meteorological fall. So this summer in Grand Island, 10 times the amount of rain that fell during the entire summer of 2012. Also, another interesting number, the Grand Island rainfall last month, more than Hilo, Hawaii, receives in a typical <laughs> August. So just some things to consider. We do have other interesting facts about that Grand Island rainfall on our KRVN Facebook page. Weather factors impacting the market trade include a mild weather pattern with no threat of a freeze and indications of large crops in the Black Sea region. Mostly dry weather will prevail the next few days from the central and southern plains onto the interior southeast. Occasional showers will dot the northern U.S. During the mid to late week, surges of autumn air will engulf areas from the northern plains on into the northeast. 
Late season heat will continue across the southern plains. Northern and central U.S. crop areas will remain frost-free through the middle of the month. That is welcome news after an extensively delayed crop season. Many areas need a later-than-average first freeze for crops to reach full maturity. Most crop areas will be bypassed by the track of Hurricane Dorian. Dorian will continue to slowly weaken as it drifts to the north and right close to the southern Atlantic coast. Landfall in the Carolinas remains a possibility. From Florida to the Carolinas, expected hazards include gusty winds, heavy rain, and a storm surge. In the Black Sea region of Ukraine and Russia, prospects remain favorable for large grain crops with above-normal temperatures and some scattered rainfall during the next week. But right in our area, mainly dry through this week here, and then some chances of rain as we head towards the weekend. High pressure coming in and, you know going to play a role finally for a while exactly and it looks like uh more typical summer-like patterns some nicely uh, average temperatures in the 80s but some occasional bumps of some warm weather but probably not as warm as what we saw over the weekend yesterday more rain than hilo hawaii yeah can you believe that <laughs> in a typical august grand island received that uh wow. with that rainfall last month because it was just shy of a foot of rain 11.94 i right. believe was the final tally for the month of grand island it was the second wettest month on record in Grand Island. My goodness. Uh, well, that's that's typical. We can't expect that. In 2019, that's typical for 2019. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRBN.com. Tonight, it's high school volleyball action on Kimmy Country Legends as Lexington host Cozad. Our coverage starts with the Plum Creek Marketplace pregame show at 6.50 with first serve at 7. That's high school volleyball action as the Minimaids host the Haymakers. On Thursday, it's high school softball action when Lexington hosts Gothenburg. That's high school volleyball action and softball action this week from KRVN Sports on Kimmy Country Legends and also at KRVN.com. When examining the financial impacts of retaliatory tariffs, a part of it bringing it closer to home. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Earlier today, the Nebraska Farm Bureau released an analysis that highlighted the estimated financial impacts of these retaliatory tariffs on Nebraska's farmers and ranchers. Jay Rempe is senior economist with the Nebraska Farm Bureau, and they brought that global to the state down to the county level. Specific counties and find out what the, the impacts were to those counties. And so we uh, used the, each county's commodity sales or sales percentage of the total sales, so each commodity share of total ag commodity sales in the state, and apportion the, the $943 million out across the counties. And the biggest county affected was, is Cummings County which would see a loss of exceeding $48 million. Then there's a cluster of counties, Custer, Dawson, and Lincoln counties, which would see a loss of $32 million. And then Platte County of uh, over $30 million as well. It's not a surprise that these counties are the most impacted by these trade disputes. They are the largest ag-producing counties in the state. They have, they're diversified in the sense that they have uh, livestock and good livestock production and crop production. Mostly you think that most of the times you think that diversity is a good thing, but in this case, because there's so many commodities affected by the trade dispute, these counties rarely really bear the burden of, uh, of the trade losses. But uh, the, the report has the specific details on each county and the loss there. I guess the last thing I'll note is uh, in our study in December, 
we took some of these losses on the farm and tried to project them out into the economy. We did not do that in this study because uh, we didn't have the time. But uh, I will say, if you look at a multiplier effect on just the income side of the equation, so farmers are losing 943 or $2 million. If you uh, multiply that through the economy just in labor income, that's a loss of another $217 million to Nebraska's economy. So the total loss to Nebraska's economy in terms of income loss exceeds a billion dollars. It'd be $1.16 billion based on that multiplier that we calculated in, in the earlier study. So I guess the, the point of all this is that these, these trade disputes are real. They, they have real impacts on Nebraska farmers and ranchers. If he'd had the opportunity to talk to his counterparts in Iowa, Missouri, Kansas, and beyond to see how it's affecting their states as well, and then how Nebraska compared. Uh, good question. We uh, I communicate with our our uh, folks in Iowa and Kansas and, and Illinois as an economist uh, on a regular basis, I, but we haven't talked uh, in the last two or three weeks, and so I'm not sure. If they've taken a look at this, doing this kind of analysis, and, and uh, if, or if they're going to, I, I would guess uh, just based on past studies that have been done and the impacts to Iowa, uh, because uh, they're a little bigger producer of soybeans and hogs than we are, the, the probably the impacts would be a little greater in Iowa than they are here. Comments this afternoon coming from Jay Rempe with the Nebraska Farm Bureau. You're going to hear more about the analysis and the research that he did coming up later this afternoon as we continue through the midday with his report. Of course, the tariffs and the discussions will continue to have an impact on our farmers and ranchers in Nebraska and beyond. And will be closely watched as we head towards this fall harvest. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. KRVN is on YouTube, now streaming video on demand. Subscribe to KRVN Radio on YouTube for news, weather, agriculture reports, and more. Time for us to take a look at sports. Jason is in here with me in studio, and uh, welcome in here. And uh, Well, what did Scott Frost say? Did he say anything to make you feel any better about things? Uh, no. I mean, it's what you expected okay. to hear. Yeah, so, yeah. They didn't play all that great on offense. They'll get it fixed. Yeah. What else can you say? One, I guess one but game. I I wasn't there, but I, people said there were guys running open that Martinez just didn't see. But that line wasn't very good either. So I don't know. At least they owned it. They did <laughs> own it. That's true. That's and true. Uh, they'll need to play better this Saturday. It's going on a decade since Nebraska and Colorado went their separate ways because of conference realignment. Of course, current players weren't born yet or can't remember when the series was one of the most competitive in the old Big 8 and Big 12. League college football analyst Joel Clatt of Fox Sports, who played in this game for the Buffs, is glad this one was lined up. That That game is college football to me. I grew up, um, you know, 20 minutes south of Boulder, but one of my first games was my dad taking me to a Nebraska-Colorado game. I didn't miss many as a kid when when Nebraska came to Boulder. It was certainly um, one of the most impactful days of my life when Colorado beat them in 2001. Also, I had forgotten, this will not end this series. These two will play again in 2023 and 2024. Oh, really? So if you didn't get enough venom of the old rivalry last year or this weekend, 
it, it'll be good. Did, yeah. did you see? I think it was. I'm not sure which one of the Daniels boys said my coach doesn't like Colorado, so I don't <laughs> like him either. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday's game kicks off at 2:30. Of course, we will bring it to you on 880 KRVN. Former Husker running back Devino Zigbo was waived by the Saints on Saturday, but ended up being claimed off of waivers by Jacksonville and added to the team's roster as their third running back. And former Husker wide receiver Stanley Morgan Jr. was among those signed to the Bengals practice squad. That happened yesterday. Another NFL notes, the Chiefs have announced the signing of two-time All-Pro running back LaShawn McCoy. That was two days after he was released by Buffalo. He quickly reached an agreement with Kansas City. Of course, McCoy was drafted by Philadelphia and spent his first four seasons with the Eagles while playing for former Eagles and current Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. And a person with knowledge of the deal says the Colts have signed good old Brian Hoyer to be their backup quarterback. He takes over the number two spot from Jacoby Brisket, who became the starter when Andrew Luck abruptly retired on August 24th. The Husker volleyball team, they'll head to California this weekend. And head coach John Cook talks about some of the reasons for heading to the West Coast. A couple reasons. One, Lexi's from there, and anytime we take a road trip, we like to go where our uh, players are from. It's close to Lauren, closer to Arizona. And uh, so anyway, it's just kind of a way to go back there. And then, uh, of course, I'm from San Diego, and I uh, last time we were back there playing was uh, 2001 Final Four at San Diego State, hosting the national championship. So I kind of want to go back. And you play Arizona on Friday night, San Diego on Saturday. Cook graduated from San Diego back in the late 1970s. I don't think he does one thing with this program unless it's all thought out and there's always something behind everything. He he really <laughs> is. He's a detailed guy, isn't he? It's the genius of John Cook. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. All right. Thanks, Jason. On the last Rural Radio Forum. The Department of Transportation at the state level, we oversee 10,000 miles of state highways. Nebraska is a great place to be because we have a great highway system. Having worked in lots of states across the country, I can tell you Nebraska the highways are in pretty good condition. And we feel well positioned to continue that going forward. Even internet bandwidth is a major determinant of health because the more health advice that we can give through secured connections and private confidential consultations, the better health will be in rural communities. That connectivity is absolutely critical in order to exchange information. What drives productivity typically is technology and innovation. So we need to bring more technology and innovation to greater Nebraska. And how are we going to do that if we have gaps in broadband and in connectivity? Building upon our agriculture basis, in turn, resulting in high productivity and higher wages. Rural infrastructure, roads, bridges, and broadband. Listen to the podcast at ruralradio.com. A new report says an August survey of business supply managers suggests slow or no economic growth over the next several months in nine Midwest and Plain states. The report issued Tuesday says the Mid-America Business Conditions Index dropped below growth neutral in August, hitting 49.3 compared with 52.0 in July. The index had remained above growth neutral for 32 straight months. Creighton University economist Ernie Goss oversees the survey, and he blamed the slowdown on weak farm and manufacturing sectors, produced in part by tariffs and a global economic slowdown. The survey results are compiled into a collection of indexes ranging from 0 to 100. Survey organizers say any score above 50 suggests growth. 
A score below suggests decline. The survey covers Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and South Dakota. Authorities have recovered a body from a subdivision lake in western Douglas County. First responders were called to West Shores Lake south of Waterloo on Sunday morning after a boat was found at an island in the lake. Water rescue teams were called in and the man's body was recovered not far from his boat. The man has been identified as John Philp. Football season is back in the state of Nebraska and around the country and the University of Nebraska Medical Center is preparing for the various injuries that commonly appear in athletes. Matthew Tao of the UNMC College of Medicine speaks on hydration in athletes during the fall season. One of the things I wanted to highlight is dehydration, particularly as fall camp and two days ramp up. It's something that we really worry about from peewee all the way up through the NFL uh, because it truly can be a life-threatening issue. And so we need to make sure that our young people are hydrating early and often. Tao also speaks on the growing concern of concussions and safety in athletes. Uh, another thing is concussions. I mean, that's become such a hot-button issue, and the concern from everybody's standpoint really is safety. Uh, we want to identify those concussions early, pull those kids out of football, and try to get them the time and the treatment necessary to recover completely. Authorities have arrested a suspect in a fatal Topeka stabbing. The Topeka Capital Journal reports that Andrew Timothy Evans was booked into jail Monday night on suspicion of first-degree murder in the death of 41-year-old Raymond Lee Smith. Police say Smith was found suffering from life-threatening injury Sunday in a Topeka house. The Nebraska Farm Bureau estimates the ongoing trade dispute will cost the state's farmers $943 million in lost revenue this year. But those losses will be partly offset by aid payments from the government. Nebraska Farm Bureau economist Jay Rempe said Tuesday the lost revenue will add to the financial pressure on farmers in the state and hurt Nebraska's economy. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobs. Last week, the USDA announced an investigation into the Holcomb, Kansas fire and Tyson. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During the Nebraska State Fair, I caught up with Undersecretary Greg Ibaugh as we looked more at what this investigation all means. Packers and Stockyards, one of their responsibilities is to make sure there's fair trade in the marketplace. And so uh, we, we watch that all the time. But in this case where there has been concerns in the industry, we've noticed some signals in the marketplace through public reporting. CME has released some reports that have talked about the you know, historical wide uh, spread between box beef and uh, fed cattle prices that uh, there's some signals that say maybe we need to take a dig deeper dive. And so part of that uh, ability to be able to do what we need to do through statute requires us to announce that we're actually doing an investigation. And so then that triggers some other uh, things that uh, we don't necessarily talk publicly about, uh, uh, but uh, it, it starts uh, the path to where we'll take the steps we need to do to do a thorough investigation. That's what the Secretary is asking us to do. What type of time frame are we looking at for this? So that's going it, to, it's not just a snapshot of uh, one week or two weeks in the cattle market. It'll be a longer snapshot. 
and it'll take us a while to analyze the da- the data that we need to analyze and um, you know it's just part of the process we're beginning now well there was a lot of producers i mean here we're at the nebraska state fair so you know that there's been cattle show ring talk shall we say about all of this and i thought one interesting point that somebody brought up was the fact that we had seen a report right before the fire if my timeline is right in my head that tyson had requested less usda inspectors in that plant that they wanted their own employees to do it have you guys heard any rumbles about that seeing that that request out there so that's really uh two different issues is, is what that is one of them is about how uh we do inspections, uh, and, and that's an FSIS uh, mm-hmm. responsibility, but how that process works versus how many bodies we actually have in place if there's a bubble now at another plant because they're moving cattle to try to get those cattle that were going to be harvested in Kansas to the Lexington, Nebraska plant, or uh, if Swift's picking up some of those cattle in Grand Island, Nebraska, to make sure we have enough people on board to be able to do those those jobs. So as you look at this, and as you guys have put the, the notice out there that came from the USDA last week, in a nutshell, what does that mean to the cattle industry? What that means to the cattle industry uh, from uh, cow-calf to packer is that USDA intends to do its job and fulfill its responsibilities under the Packers and Stockyards Act. We are going to uh, uh, make sure that there's fair trade in the marketplace and that everybody is being treated equitably. And Undersecretary Ibaugh said in another topic, money has been allocated when it comes to animal disease traceability. So USDA APHIS has announced that we have some money from the new farm bill for the animal disease traceability component, the three-legged stool, that we're going to be offering to the industry for disease preparedness exercises and events. And as everybody knows, we're seeing African swine fever expand in Asia, expand in Eastern Europe. And so we just really want to make sure that we're prepared here. And so we're offering some um, monies to be available for proposals uh, that we will evaluate for effectiveness to be able to help get not only the, the bigger industry or state organizations prepared, but also help producers understand their role if there was a foreign animal disease found here in the United States. I know in a couple of weeks that there's going to be a mock simulation that's going to take place in Iowa with poor producers. Are you guys in any way going to be a part of that? So there's 14 states involved that is organized by the United States Department of Agriculture and very much involved. And we uh, actually met with those 14 states a a week and a half ago to start uh, getting prepared for uh, to be able to have that simulation um, later in in two weeks. Something I wanted to follow up with you because, go ahead. I'm also going to be in Mexico meeting in a trilateral at the end of September. Okay. Do you want to talk about about your trip to Mexico? And we're also continuing being prepared uh, as a North American enterprise uh, and swine industry. We had a symposium earlier this year in Canada that was more international in scope. We've done some things directly with Canada to look at how we might be able to move pork 
and live hogs back and forth across the border because there's a lot of movement in both those uh, between us and Canada in the event that there was a known controlled contained disease event. We're going to meet with the Mexico and Canada animal health officials on just a North American um, discussion uh, at the end of September and I plan to be down in Mexico City and participate in that preparedness activity as well. Those comments from Undersecretary Greg Ibon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. At the recent Nebraska Broadcasters Convention in Omaha, KRVN was once again honored at the Awards of Excellence Banquet. KRVN Farm Director Susan Littlefield took home the gold in the service to agriculture category for Blizzard Hertz cattle producers. Morning news anchor Bob Rogan wins again for Best Newscast. Sports Director Jason Jorgensen wins two awards for Best Sports Story for Dan Coog's Football Journey feature and Best Online Video for Husker Chat. Tyler Cavalli and Bryce Duskett wins Best Multimedia Journalism for Operation Haydrop, and Bryce wins again for Best Online Video for Historic Flooding. In addition, sister stations in Scotts Bluff and York took home honors in the following categories. Service to Ag, Best Play-by-Play, Best In-Depth Sports Reporting, Best Online Video, and Best Promotional Announcement. All in all, no other radio group took home more hardware than the stations of Nebraska Rural Radio Association, KRBN, and the Nebraska Rural Radio Stations, your trusted voice for news, weather, sports, and ag information. Stock struggling here in the United States after more tweets and trade war discussion between Trump and China. So we'll take a look at that here in just a moment. But first, let's look at the world markets in the overnight. The Japanese Nikkei was up four. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong down 98 points. The FTSE in London was down 13. And the German DAX index was down 42. Here in the United States, big losses so far on the exchange. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down almost 400 points right now, 395. The Nasdaq is down 115, and the S&P down 31. With more, here's Dave Schroeder. Good afternoon. At last report, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 355 points. The NASDAQ down 96 points and the Standard & Poor's 500 down 25 points. Technology stocks led a broad decline in midday trading on Wall Street as traders turned pessimistic again about the prospects of the U.S. and China resolving their trade dispute. Chip makers, which do a lot of business in China, fell more than the rest of the market today. NVIDIA fell 1.7% and Qualcomm lost 3%. Nebraska Farm Bureau estimates the ongoing trade dispute will cost the state's farmers $943 million in lost revenue this year, but those losses will be partly offset by aid payments from the government. A new report says an August survey of business supply managers suggests slow or no economic growth over the next several months in nine Midwest and Plain states. The report issued says the Mid-America Business Conditions Index dropped below growth neutral in August, hitting 49.3 compared with 52.0 in July. The survey results are compiled into a collection of indices ranging from 0 to 100, with any score above 50 suggesting growth and a score below that suggesting decline. Factory activity in the U.S. shrank in August for the first time since August 2016. It's a sign that the trade war with China is weighing down a crucial sector of the economy. Also, U.S. construction spending ticked up just 0.1% in July. It was aided by government spending on schools, 
sewer, and the water supply. Federal construction spending fell 2.4%. And the United Auto Workers Union has picked General Motors as the target company for this year's contract talks. The move means that GM will be the focus of bargaining, and any deal with the company will set the pattern for Ford and Fiat Chrysler. It also means that if the union decides to go on strike, it will be against General Motors. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Mondays can be a roller coaster day as you get the work week started. One thing you can count on is the Futures One Crop Progress Report every Monday afternoon through the growing season on KRVN Radio. Clay Patton, KRVN Farm Broadcaster here, and I invite you to join me Monday afternoons during the 3 and 4 o'clock hours as we break down the latest crop progress numbers from USDA. Get the vital information before the overnight grains open. It's Futures One Crop Progress Report every Monday afternoon on KRVN. If you missed a weekly program, catch up on everything at krvn.com. So what has been the impact of the retaliatory tariffs on Nebraska farmers and ranchers? Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Earlier today, Jay Rempe, senior economist with the Nebraska Farm Bureau, spoke with reporters about that financial impact. Wheat, soybeans, corn, sorghum, alfalfa, dry beans, pork, and dairy products. Not included in this, and, and a couple key ones are, are beef and hides and skins, which have seen uh, beef exports are hanging in there pretty pretty well. Uh, it's more of a lost opportunity there in China. Uh, hides and skins exports are down about 31% so far this year. And so uh, that $943 million, if you added in some of these other commodities and things, could easily exceed a billion dollars and if you recall last year when we uh, looked at this issue we had a range of, of estimates of, of the cost to nebraska producers of 695 million to a little over a billion dollars last year in 2018 so these 2019 numbers are in addition if you will to to those numbers and fall right in that range as last year so to, to arrive at these estimates, the, the uh, USDA had to calculate what it, it thought were the trade losses due to the retaliatory tariffs because for their MFP program, or, that, or their market facilitation payment program. And they, they did that. They estimated the expected reductions in exports due to the retaliatory tariffs. And that, Rempe said, was a single figure taken nationwide. They took that figure and divided it by average production over the last three years to arrive at a per commodity rate. So in the report, you'll see the first table shows what they, the per commodity rate was for each commodity that they were looking at. And for example, in Nebraska, they, they estimated the corn losses at 14 cents per bushel for corn. Uh, pork was $11 a head. Soybeans, $2.05 per bushel. So using those figures then, we were able to apply that to estimated production for Nebraska for this year of these commodities to show what the potential losses could be. And so that's where we came up with the $943 million uh, figure. Uh, the biggest impact comes to soybeans. That should be no surprise since we lost, or we're not shipping any more soybeans into China anymore, and they're seeing the brunt of the, uh, the trade issues. But soybean losses exceed 588 million, uh, corn 251 million, and then on down down on the line. Pork about 40 million dollars because of some of the things that are happening in China as well. 
So again, uh, these are kind of a snapshot right now, if you will. We're still sitting in 1st of September. We, we're not to harvest yet, so these numbers could change based on uh, different harvest numbers. We could have some movement on the trade front. There could be some other influences in the market that uh, affect ultimately how 2019 point, uh, turns out. But thus far this year, this provides kind of a snapshot of what we're looking at. Uh, I will also note that we don't account for MFP payments in this analysis. We simply wanted to look at what the potential impact in Nebraska producers, regardless of the MFP payments, were from the retaliatory trade trade losses. And again, it, these, there are some commodities that are not part of this. Comments this afternoon are with the senior economist with the Nebraska Farm Bureau, Jay Rempe. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Grain markets closed lower with some contract lows reached in corn and wheat futures. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So this marks a couple of uh, days in a row of trading, one in August, one in September, of lower prices and contract lows, John. Yeah, nasty price action. Very reminiscent of the last couple of years at this time. Uh, we're still about... 20, 25 cents above the lows that were hammered um, last year. September, not too far from the contract low, I guess the front month lows from this spring when we were uh, dealing with the trade war before the the, the supply rally. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I think this is uh, not shocking, but certainly tough to swallow given where we've come from. I know a lot of folks sitting here, you know, in shell shock, so to speak, just not really sure what to do. Um, you got to get your wits about you, though, and start looking out on the curve. Deferred contracts, specifically like these, these 20, there's a wake-up call. You know, we're we're seeing shipments slow. Obviously, the ethanol story is out of the bag. Um, you know, feed, there's a lot of animals around, so feed should hang in, but you have a lot of competition as well. So corn is a very substitutable commodity right now. It can be, it can be changed out for South American product that's cheaper than us right now. It can be uh, shut down, uh, be dealt with, with uh, on the ethanol side, and um, you've got uh, wheat, cheap wheat right now with KC in Minneapolis essentially below, um, I don't know, we're 10-year lows now for KC wheat, so there's not a lot here. I'd like to think we can turn around tomorrow, 360 provides a low, but I wouldn't be shocked to see this cruise all the way down to like the 330s for September. That's what we did a year ago, and then bounce. I think a bounce will come at some point. You'll have a chance to sell this level again, but in the meantime, probably break out some longs who have uh, held on to this during this whole move. It looked like it was a day for maybe buying soybeans, selling corn, buying soybeans, selling wheat, correct? <laughs> you could have bought anything and sold wheat or corn, and you're, you're going to go home happy today. It was, um, you know, soybeans obviously have a little bit of a better story, the late crop, um, but, you know, forecasts over the three-day show, no, no threat of frost this way over the next two to three weeks at least. Um, and you have deliveries that are being posted that, uh, you know, we'll look for a stopper in the, in the, in the wheat, KC. I think that's the key here. I really do. I think you got to get KC wheat to turn around. Uh, I don't know if December is uh, done going down, but I think we're at a level where, it would re- you know, if you're waiting to buy, this is a great spot. Really, wheat, the, the secondary contract below uh, below 4 bucks has been a good buy. Now we have the third third contract below 4 bucks. So you can get March contract uh, for KC wheat below 4 bucks. Three weeks ago, the front month was above 4.15. So we've seen a pretty substantial sell-off here. I think we're, we're about done, but uh, doesn't mean we're going to get a big pop. 
Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. Well, that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com.